Radio MD. RadioMD.com. The world's preeminent talk radio portal. All about your health. And now here's Melanie Cole, MS, host of Staying Well. When a celebrity dies a sudden tragic death, and it's considered as a result of clinical depression, what does that mean? Is there still a stigma? We, you know, a lot of people shake their heads and say, wow, how tortured must that person have been to have done something like that when they lived such a great life, in our opinions or in our minds, but not necessarily in theirs. My guest is Dr. Marie Revy. She's Chief of Psychiatry and Psychiatric Residency Program Director for Geisinger Health System. Welcome to the show, Dr. Revy. Tell us a little bit about depression. How prevalent is it in this country? Hello. Depression is uh, still quite prevalent, actually increasing in recent um, decades despite treatment uh, uh, trying to be applied to it. Probably about anywhere from 17 to 20 percent of the, of the general population is expected to have a depressive diagnosis in the course of their lifetime. How do we spot? What are some of the symptoms of depression? That's what people are wondering right now. What symptoms? Are, could I be depressed if I'm just sad about things? What are some real red flags that would tell you to go see a doctor or send a loved one to see someone and seek help? Yeah, I think that's a good question because that word depression is thrown around in a lot of different Um, circles and arenas these days. And so true clinical depression, or what might be called major depression, um, is a syndrome of specific symptoms. So you're looking for either a sad mood qualitatively or um, a loss of pleasure in usual things that would bring fun or enjoyment to an individual. So essentially kind of not caring about things that were previously important or enjoyable to them. And then we often see uh, changes in sleep and appetite patterns, either um, a decrease in sleep and appetite or an increase in those two things. Generally, there's a a loss of energy and motivation. Um, There's problems with concentration and memory and being able to make decisions. And then uh, certainly there's there's the um, preoccupation with death and dying, thinking that it might be easier not to go on living or frank, you know, suicidal thoughts. If your loved one is suffering from any of these things, how do you get them help? Because people still feel, Dr. Revy, that there's a stigma to mental health issues, whatever they may be, bipolar or depression, and so people are hesitant to get help or even hesitant to talk about them with other people so that someone could spot it and get them help. Yeah, I think I think a first important step is that it's okay to talk to someone about depression and suicidality. There's often a, a myth out there that if you bring up um, suicidal thoughts, ask somebody if they're having those kinds of thoughts, that you might actually plant the idea in their head and somehow be responsible for them going down that road, and that's, we know, certainly not the case, that it's much better to um, ask somebody about your your concerns that you might have for them and engage in that conversation with them, and that might um, help guide them or, or bring them toward help to get them feeling better and, and not having those kinds of thoughts anymore. Um, so there's certainly with mental health and really all, you know, illnesses that someone might be facing, um, there's definitely a 
uh, notion there that the patient themselves has to be interested in getting help for themselves and participating in that process. But I think the most important thing that a loved one could do if they had concern for someone in their life would be to just approach that person and simply ask them, you know, about how things are going and if they're having these kinds of um, symptoms that we know to be associated with depression and offering to, you know, be a partner with them and get in accessing some of those treatment resources. And what they might hear from that person is, no, I'm fine, I'm going through a phase. Do you mm-hmm. believe them? And then wait to, you know, recent with celebrity tragedies and things, do you think the family knows or do you think that they've, that they've gone and said something to the person and then the person's like, no, I'm fine, it's just a phase, I'll be fine tomorrow? Yeah, there's, uh, that could be the case. There's definitely um, some limitations to just asking once and um, being done with it. it. might pick up the conversation again at a different time or you might be able to point out to the loved ones some things you've observed about them that, that's causing you to have concern and, and kind of talk about those specific symptoms with the person. Um, like we said, it's, it's really still uh, valued in our society, a person's autonomy to engage in their own care. And so um, if the person is not yet interested in care, then the the family member is going to be much more limited on what they can do to help them. What can we do to help them? What's the first line of defense? And You know, doing what you do for a living, what do you do when you find out that somebody comes to you and you diagnose them as clinically depressed? What treatment options are out there? Those usually fall into three different categories, and sometimes we use one or sometimes we use all three of the different categories, and those would be certain types of medications, antidepressants and some other types of medications that help with it. Uh, Then there's also the area of psychotherapy or talk therapy or counseling, and there's a wide variety of different types of that people can engage in, either individually with a therapist or in, in a group of people, which often provides a person with even more support than just seeing one individual therapist. And then the third um, realm of treatment options would be in in basic self-care, you know, in lifestyle improvement. We often quickly overlook things that are really important to helping us feel and function our best, and those would be things like um, our diet and nutrition, keeping ourselves hydrated. Certainly there's a robust literature for things like regular physical exercise, uh, meditation, engagement with social support, um, doing things to find joy and to have some, you know, play and fun incorporated back into our lives. But things like this are equally important, maybe even more so important than medications at times. Is there hope on the horizon for people suffering from clinical depression? Does it ever go away? Well, if you're talking about a major depressive disorder, we generally understand that as having a possibility of being a more chronic illness that has episodes of acute symptoms, and then those symptoms go into remission for periods of time, but then may recur. Some people only have one major depressive episode, and they don't have any recurrence in their life, but often people have two, three, or more episodes over the course of their lifetime. So... Often our treatments that we just went over will keep people in remission and and keep those recurrences away for long periods of time, if not indefinitely. Um, so it really varies person to person. But I would say in our current um, state-of-the-art medical care, we do have 
very helpful options uh, for treatment for people to uh, keep working with them until we get them into a, a point of remission and having those symptoms be behind them. And before I ask you your last question, Dr. Revy, I'd like to give out the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. There are websites for help, suicide.org. There are hotlines and ways that you can get help if you have thoughts of suicide and you're feeling that depressed and that tortured. Now, so give us some of your best advice in just about the last minute and a half that we have left for lifestyle, home remedies, even some of the alternative treatments that people can do that could possibly help them with these feelings that they're feeling. Oh, we only have about 30 seconds, actually. So your best advice for us, please. My best advice? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of areas to cover there. I think one uh, option that stands out in my mind that people can pursue on their own is uh, this concept that's out there of mindfulness. Uh, or meditation, some type of regular um, practice that people can engage in to relax, clear their mind, focus on their breathing, bring themselves into the present moment, and uh, and enjoy some of that peace and quiet that's often absent from our life. Uh, regular practice of that is really demonstrated helpful for mood and anxiety symptoms. Thank you so much, Dr. Marie Revy, Chief of Psychiatry in the Psychiatry Residency Program, Director for Geisinger Health System. This is Melanie Cole. You're listening to Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.